Welcome to Maximum Octane and your ride to the entrepreneur's evolution in the automotive industry. I'm your host, Kim Hickey, former shop owner turned industry educator, speaker, and entrepreneurial motivator. Each week during our ride together, you will hear unfiltered stories of inspiration and transformation shared by successful business owners and CEOs. Their experiences will motivate you to do things you never thought possible, encourage you to reach your full potential, and help you to exchange unproductive habits for productive ones. While many of my guests will be related to the automotive industry, it's crucial in the world of tomorrow that we stop being silos and we open our minds to ideas and inspiration from other industries as well. We also know that to be truly successful in business, you must have a healthy work and home life balance. All of my guests are handpicked with these crucial elements in mind. Our industry is evolving by the second, and we need to as well. Buckle up, because here we go. Welcome back this week, everybody, to this week's episode of Maximum Octane. Today, I am super excited, as I always am, because as I tell you, it's all about me and my show, and I get to handpick who I want on here. So I really like everybody that I have. So joining me today is Mr. Andrew Knightlick, and he is the founder and the director of the Center for Executive Coaching. So thank you for joining me today. Thank you. It's good to be here, Kim. Thank you. So a few other things that you might find interesting about Andrew is uh, he he has an MBA and he and from Harvard, Harvard University. So is Harvard all the hype that everybody? Uh, it is not. <laughs> it is, it is and decreased. The business school is fantastic. I'm a little bit worried about the undergraduate place from what I hear. But the uh, business school, I think, still remains an amazing place. Okay. And, and speaking of undergrad, cultural anthropology. What in the heck is that? But it's, <laughs> it's really asking. It's a lot about studying different cultures. So what, you know, so I got to study uh, everything from small societies in the Amazon to doing some research on like some brokerage houses in the area and just interviewing about, you know, what's the culture here? But, you know, with businesses, it's about what kind of culture works, what kind of culture do you want and things like that. So it's really looking at what, what does it mean to be human from the point of view of working in a society or living in a society and, and creating a culture. Oh, and we are going to talk about the humans that are roaming around right now in just a moment. And so all of the links for Andrew, his LinkedIn and uh, the Center for Executive Coaching will be in the comments for this episode. And Andrew has some pretty high profile clients, which I won't mention because of confidentiality. And uh, your your certification for coaching and school is international. I mean, I know you fly all over the world now to train coaches and speak and do those things. So, yeah, we're in uh, 32 countries and really uh, keep working with more and more interesting people. So it's, it's, it's really turned into, it just grew organically and it turned into a great way to make a living. Did it? And, and I'm sure when you were sitting in Harvard, you were saying, this is, <laughs> this is what I'm going to do, right? So absolutely not. It was uh, pretty accidental, actually. But it turned out to be right. It turned out to be right. Sometimes things have a way of uh, finding finding us in the right place at the right time. So sadly for you, you are one of my mentors and someone that I look <laughs> up to. <laughs> so so you are the victim of some of my crazy emails and a, oh my god, I can't even believe what do I heck do I do with this? So 
I, I thank you for for that and your patience in dealing with me. <laughs> it's you know what? It's a pleasure. Well, thank you. So today, I why I wanted you to come on at such short notice. So thank you for that as well, because we had planned a, another time. There is a lot going on in the world. And you have a way of kind of cutting out the BS and just telling people the way it is. And I can't recall a time that there are so many armchair politicians and political analysts as what is going on in the world right now. And there is a serious thing going on with Russia and Ukraine and how will that affect us? And what if we step in and all these world problems that none of us can do a damn thing about from where we're sitting at our business, but yet we're inserting ourselves into the conversations about it and giving advice on everything. So can you help me wrap my head around this and figure out how is this the best way to lead our people and run our businesses? Sure. So, well, let me make sure I understand this right. You're saying <laughs> that there's this crisis uh, in Ukraine and Russia, and then yes. China's involved, and we have our country involved and Europe involved, and you're asking to tie this back to something going on with leaders of small businesses. Correct. So that is exactly what I'm asking you. All right. Let me ask you. So, what are the <laughs> what are the concerns of the leaders of small businesses as all of this is happening? You're saying they're distracted, or or this is getting in their way. I would say there's both. So I I would say what I am hearing now and in the coaching calls and different things going on, they seem to be much more concerned, the leaders of small businesses with what is going on all over the world, which they should have awareness, but they are much more focused on how the presidents and NATO and everyone can solve the (laughs) problems going on in the world instead of what the heck is happening right under their noses in their own business. Right. So it's a smokescreen, one of many smokescreens that small business people raise uh, to avoid accountability and, and to let it be a distraction from, from what they're supposed to be doing. Exactly. Exactly. Right. Which is interesting, right? Because if you look at the geopolitical situation, one could argue that it was our own smokescreens that have allowed us to be in this position in the first place. That is not keeping our eye on the ball as a country. Now that's you and me being armchair quarterbacks, which is exactly what you're complaining about. Potentially. We don't need two more. Well, right? but, but, but we can do it. I can do it. Can, I just don't okay think everybody else should. Yes. Because <laughs> again, it's my show. So, right. Yeah. Makes sense to me, but, but it's interesting because the two are parallel, right? If we say what makes a strong company, we can also ask what makes a strong country. And there's lots of uh, perhaps parallels in that, right? I mean, a strong country, we would say probably, different things than what makes a strong company, but some are similar, right? You need to be financially strong, for instance. You have to know what you do well and what you don't do well. You can't try to do everything. You have to know when to be strong and set boundaries as a leader and 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 when not to. And, and when you take your eye off that stuff, things happen. And uh, other, other countries that are maybe thinking a little bit more from books like The 48 Laws of Power and The Art of War instead of, you know, Chicken Soup for the Soul, are going to come in and start encroaching. And I think the same is true for a small businesses. What is it that you can control and, and what do you have to focus on for your success? I don't think most, I know who you coach and most of the companies you're coaching probably don't have business interests in the Ukraine or Russia right now. Not to my knowledge, no. Maybe they bought a crypto coin or something that <laughs> came out of there, you know, put $1,000 in penny stocks or something. But other than that, no. Right. And, you know, I, I remember Warren Buffett 
during when the pandemic hit, which, you know, how many volatile and uncertain things do we need in a couple year period? But what he said was, through it all, America has always survived. We have survived the Great Depression. We have survived World War II. We survived Vietnam. We, we survived uh, uh, the market crash of 87. We survived the dot-com crash. We survived the financial crisis, which really could have taken down our system. And now it looks like we had been surviving the pandemic pretty well. There's still challenges. So, so you know, one way of being grounded is saying, listen, we are in the greatest country of all time if we don't let ourselves ruin it. And things are going to work out over the long haul. So we have to just focus on what is in our control. And what's in our control if we're business owners is having a really smart strategy, creating a really good uh, uh, culture, and taking care of our customers like never before. And that, by the way, is one of the big weaknesses after the pandemic is is, uh, a, a lot of companies have an opportunity because so many other companies are dropping the ball on taking care of their customers. They, they absolutely are. And it is a huge opportunity. And especially we got so much hands off and turned to electronic communication and touchless paying and the doors are locked to do everything over the phone. We, we really lost touch with how can we have that human interaction and making it personal, even if you're not shoulder to shoulder and all of that. So with, with the smoke screens, to get back to that for a moment, since, uh, you have studied all of these humans all over the world. <laughs> Why in the hell do small business owners and big ones keep putting up these smoke screens and paying attention to everything but what they need to be? Yeah, it's, it's a great question. Let, let, let me give a metaphor that's coming to mind. I played tennis with my 17-year-old kid this weekend, who by any standard should be wiping me off the court. He's just... 6'3", I'm 5'10", he's stronger, he hits the ball way harder. And you know what? He has a a heck of a time. He beat me this weekend, but usually he loses. And when we look at why he loses, you know, we'll talk during in between and say, I'm playing the worst game ever. I can never hit a forehand. I didn't shower before the match, so that's a problem. (laughs) When we switched sides and I saw the sun, I knew I was going to lose these two games. I mean, these are exactly the kinds of things coming out of his mouth. And And the problem is he's not thinking straight. Right. That we know from cognitive psychology, what's going that's all or nothing thinking. It's thinking about stuff completely out of his control instead of focusing on what behaviors and what work effort do I need to put in now to wipe my dad off the court. And, and, and when I make a mistake, how do I instead of blaming it and saying I'm always this way, this is this is my fate saying, you know, maybe if I get to the ball one step earlier and don't hit with as much pace, I'm going to hit a good shot but he wasn't doing that. And I, I think that's it. I think the human brain is flawed. It's just fundamentally flawed. We know this and we have to train it. And, uh, and, and the only way we can uh, train it, I think, is by focusing on specifics without adding all the other stuff. And we have to get good at recognizing when we're adding other stuff versus, you know, here's a conversation I have to have with someone, or here's a customer not being taken care of. I need to get on the ball and, and make this work. So I, I think that's really it. I think it's all the stuff our, our, our human brain just is not designed perfectly because of all uh, the ways it's evolved and, and what it evolved from, which was survival. I, I think a lot of it has to do with that. That is a great analogy. And I love the pun at the end about keeping your eye on the ball. That was very nice. Oh, thank you. Done. Unintentional too. Thank you. That was nicely done. Nicely done. All right. So as a leader today, if you are trying to keep your eye on the ball and not 
be worrying about things you can't control, but your direct reports and people are coming in and they're like, oh my God, did you see the news last night? And I can, and oh my gosh, you know, what's going to happen? What advice or suggestions do you have for leaders today in small businesses to sort of counteract that and set their people's minds at ease? Right. Well, step one is for the leader to get grounded. Right. And you, and you know, from our work together, we have a tool called the leader's dashboard. I think every leader should have a dashboard that gets them grounded. Right. So one, what's my vision for this company? Where am I taking it? Everything should be about that. If you have a powerful enough vision that motivates you, no problem is going to be too big. That's number one. Two, why? Why are we doing this? That's one's mission. What's the reason? If you know why you're doing this, is it to take care of your family? Is it to create something you can sell? Is it because you're passionate about whatever work you're doing? Whatever the why is, you have to come up with that. So that's number two. Number three, we've got to get focused on what are the top three performance metrics? Like how am I measuring my success? Is it revenue growth? Is it profit? Is it cash flow? Is it how much time I'm putting or not putting into the business? What are your goals? And then related to that, what are your top three initiatives to make those goals and your vision happen while supporting uh, your, your mission? And that's it. If you have all of those things on paper, along with maybe a couple of things like who are the key relationships that I really have to nurture and what's one thing I can do to get better as a leader. But, you know, imagine you had something like that on one piece of paper. Every day you come in, you look at that piece of paper. And so when, a, when an employee comes in and starts talking about I'm distracted. I don't know what's going on in the world. You're going to look at the piece of paper and say, how closely related or not is what this person is saying to my agenda and what I want to create? So you need a dashboard. You need this thing that somehow just grounds you in what matters most for you as a business owner. And you might even need one for you as a person separate from the business. And that's it. If it's not on that sheet, you don't do it and you don't tolerate it. Love it. You make it sound so simple. See, that's why. That's why I had you come on. (laughs) It's not that simple because it takes a lot of work. Here's another way to do it. This is, you know, a hundred year old strategy, but before you go home every night, write down the three to six things you're going to do the next day, no matter what. Three to six things that are most important, the biggest priorities. And then when you come in the next day, that's all you do. That's all you do. Get those three to six things done. If you don't get them done, whatever you didn't get done moves to the top of the list. And that's it. You just need focus. You need blinders because it's so easy to get distracted uh, in today's world. There's just too much going on, too much social media, too many people who have social media, too much news. It's it's just crazy. You remember, you know, the old days, Norm MacDonald used to talk about this. The comedian loved him. He's great. And he passed away. But he used to say, you know, so sad that he I was so sad. He's awesome. I I get a lot. uh, There's a lot of wisdom from comedians and comedians, by the way, are some of the toughest business owners they are because they have to go through hell to succeed. But, you know, he made a good comment. He said, you know, back in the day, you had 30 minutes of news. That's all you had, right? You'd watch Dan Rather or whomever. Remember that? 7 to 7.30. Everyone yeah. just watched that news. And he said, sometimes they had a hard time filling a half hour. And today it's, it's 24 hours nonstop. And because there's not enough news, it becomes editorials and they're all trying to get eyeballs and they're trying to scare the hell out of us, no matter which side of the aisle the, 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 the news station happens to be on. And, and that's what's going on. If you know the six things you have to do tomorrow, the news goes away. You don't have time for it. If you have your leader's dashboard down and ready to go, you don't have time for it. Uh, Stephen Covey talked about that. Having a mission statement for every part of your life is another way to do it. So with having a leader's dashboard, if you're grounded, you know what your goals are, you're not getting sidetracked because you have that 
uh, tool or grounding. What is the best way for a leader to say to the person that comes in their office and, you know, starts going off then other than what the hell are you talking about? This doesn't interfere. This is not part of my mission. So stop talking. How, how would you facilitate that conversation? Well, so you're saying someone just comes in and starts ranting. I'm scared. What's going on with Russia? Scared or I'm mad. And, you know, if I was the president, I would be doing this. And we don't have any business being in other countries. And, you know, the, the normal things that people fill their day speaking about now. Yeah. Well, if it's if it's a on, you know, look, look if it's a one time thing and it's a crisis, maybe we have to handle it. Right. But if it's somebody who just keeps doing stuff like this, what I'm going to say is, look, I appreciate your concern about this. It sounds like you're really passionate about it. But our mission here is to serve our customers or, you know, whatever it is that this person's role is. And I just say, you know, help me understand, how does this relate to Joe who's out there waiting for us to service his car, you know, or, or, or whatever the business is? I think there's just a time where the leader, you know, you get what you tolerate as a leader. You have to ask yourself, why are, what am I doing that is attracting these people to come to me and feel like they can dump unrelated problems onto my lap. You're, you're doing something. I worked with a client in a really big healthcare system and we did a time study of how she spent her time. She was trying to move up and needed some leadership presence. It turned out like about half her time was employees would come into her office and dump their problems on her lap, but she loved it. She called herself the mother hen and she would spend hours with employees. And so part of the coaching was about saying to an employee, look, if you come in with a problem, your job is to say to them, I appreciate it. What I want is a solution. Come in with two options. Tell me which one you like, and we could talk about that. But I don't need all the background, and you can't dump. You can't ask me to solve your problem. I'm trying to create leaders here, so that's a way to do it too. All right. So now I'm going to ask you something that's really going to make your uh, socks in a knot. Because here's the number <laughs> one thing that we hear when when we give that counseling or advice, and oh, no, I can't say that to anybody because then they'll just quit and you can't find anybody. Those dang millennials and Gen Zs don't want to work. So if they want to come in and talk about that nonsense, I just let them because I, I can't afford to upset them. Right. Well, <laughs> I don't know. You can't coach someone who's not coachable, right? Good for you that you've made your choice, right? You know, the, one of the first rules in, for me as a coach is I can give observations but once the client tells me they want to go in a different direction, we move to something else. And I'll say, you know, what would you like to explore about this? What else do you want to talk about? What are, would you like to look at the costs of this? Would you like to look at what else you could be spending your time doing? I wouldn't ask all of that at once. But the, these might be that would be that, a stacked question. A stacked question. That's right. You can't uh, the client can't focus on more than one question at a time. So 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 that's it. Like, you know, sometimes we care more than our clients as coaches. And, and, and so here, you know, this isn't so much like, what do you do as a coach for me? It's more, look, you want to be a good leader or don't you? You know, and, and, and do you really want an employee that you know is wasting your time anyway? Right. And I understand it's hard to find good employees, but I, I just I feel like, you know, the, 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 a workplace is a workplace and, and we're here to be productive. What I've learned, what, what I've from the research I've looked at, what most people want to do is come to work, do their job and go home. They really don't want to be encumbered by stuff that leadership puts on them, like unnecessary processes, unnecessary paperwork. And they also don't want to be seen as someone who contributes to inefficiency that keeps others from coming in, doing their job and going home. It's just work. Come in, do your job, go home. Of course, we can create a culture. 
we can, uh, you know, help people relate. So, you know, I understand what you're saying. And maybe, maybe if the leader says, well, I have to do it, then we say, good, you just have to budget that time with all the other stuff. So you're going to have to be there a couple of extra hours and just know this is something you've said is important. It creates the culture. It retains employees. So just add two extra hours to your day and know that there's nothing you can do about that. That's a choice too. It sure is. It sure is. But you know where that goes. They don't want to do the extra time or the other work or the other well, stuff that goes. And that gets back, <laughs> that gets back to teenage tennis. Because like, here's something my kid said. He said he plays pushers and he loses because he just tries to hit the ball and it goes out and he's impatient. And so I say, and other, you know, I say, look, it's easy to beat a pusher. Just keep the ball in play. You hit with a little more pace. Eventually they'll give you a ball. You can hit it and get an edge, come up to net and put it away. He says, nah, that's too much work. I'll be too tired. <laughs> So he just chooses he's going to tree the ball. So he's not beating people he knows he's better than, right? It's the same, you know, it doesn't change. Teenagers become, I guess, owners of small businesses and let their employees come in and waste their time because it's too much work not to. You know, it it is so hard when things like that with it, as you know, I have two sons too, but I, that the non-competitive people like that are willing to, whether it's in business or a game or anything else to just say, you know what? I am willing to lose because I don't want to put in that work. I, it is some days crazy. very challenging for well, me to put Here's another thing, that, right? My wife brings this up a lot, right? There's a bell curve. It's a bell curve. There's a bell curve of intelligence. There's a bell curve of work ethic. And there's therefore a bell curve of success. There's no way around it. Half the people are on the left side of the bell curve, right? Half the people aren't as smart as the other half. Half the people aren't going to work as hard. And guess what? at least half the people aren't going to be as successful. So, you know, sometimes what the owner of the business is really saying is I don't have what it takes. Yes, that's uh, for sure. That's not, I understand that as coaches, you're, the coaches you work with are hired regardless, and you have to accept the good blueberries and the bad blueberries. But in real life, you know what? Some businesses aren't going to make it. Capitalism is about creative destruction and nothing's going to destroy you faster than laziness, ineptitude, or incompetence unless you're in government. <laughs> you just brought that full circle. Well, it, it comes back to that, right? The geopolitical environment exists because of our elected officials. Uh, well, business people too, but yeah. And, and that's the thing. And it's so frustrating, as you know, is when you hear a small business owner say, oh, no, I want to be the best or I want to create the best culture for my team or I want to, you know, achieve this goal. And then they watch the news and their whole entire day or week becomes talking about what happened on the news instead of focusing on what, uh, you know, keeping their eye on the prize. So, well, it is interesting, though, it does raise a, a bigger issue, right? I think we're better when the leaders we have as role models are better, right? And, and there is a, you know, I play tennis with a guy super, super wealthy and super successful. And he's saying like, if I were starting my business today, I don't know if I'd start it. Like, I don't know why I wouldn't just go into government and just get a position where I don't have to work so hard and I can't be fired and, and that kind of stuff. I mean, the culture is changing, right? It, it really, really is, is hard. It is, you are a hero, I think, you know, not a hero, like a military hero, but you're, you're, it's, it takes a form of, courage and stoicism to be a business leader in an environment where you're vilified, where people are trying to take more and more from you, where people think, you know, it's all about entitlement and you didn't actually earn it. You didn't build that, all of that stuff. And so it's hard. We, you know, we, we, where do we go to find role models that make us 
make us proud. And so I can understand it too, right? Part of it is the overall context of, of a nation. And certainly this is a time where one has to empathize with business owners because it's like, why bother? They just want to take more from us. Uh, no one else is working hard. I mean, I understand all those complaints. So the question comes back to what's your vision? Why do you get into business? What drives you? I do it all the time. Like I could retire right now, but I love what I do. Even talking to you right now <laughs> is something I love doing. And I love the clients and I love building the business and I'm working on another business. It's just something I, I, I really enjoy. Um, there'll come a point where the, if the government decides it wants to take more, you know, I'll just say that that's enough. You're a terrible business partner and I don't want you anymore. <laughs> right. But you're fired as a business partner. You're fired, no right? longer fired like the these terms. That's well, right. The term, it's exactly how it will be. Right. I, I heard, what do we have to work till now? You know, if you're pretty successful, you have to work somewhere till like July, I think, to, to pay off the government. And then the rest is yours. It is crazy when you look at those numbers. And, and you know, sadly, so many entrepreneurs and business owners are just closing their doors saying, I'm, I just, I can't, I'm tired and I can't keep fighting an uphill battle. And no. between government stuff, taxes, trying to hire people, trying to retain people, the whole people getting handouts and not having to go back to work because they're getting, you know, it's, it's, and it's so sad. I mean, it's, it's really heartbreaking for me to see that spark starting to disappear. It's awful. Well, look at the uh, retail stores where you see the images on TV of people coming in and taking, you know, thousands of dollars of merchandise and walking out. So the, the point is we have to avoid cynicism. Our job is to find, you know, we are the producers. Without us, it all shuts down, right? It's not government. There's no dollar you pay to government that leads to anything. You're just taking a dollar away from one and giving it to someone else, often someone who doesn't spend it as effectively as a business person. It is the business people who created this society, who created the wealth that makes this society possible. And we can't forget that. You know, we're, we, we are making an incredible contribution, even if others don't realize it. And so for me, it, it's just, we got to get back to why are we doing this? Even if it's just, you know, I, I'm supporting my family. I want a comfortable retirement. That's, that's it. That's the American, American way. You, you know, right now we are living through what Ayn Rand would call the politics of low self-esteem, where everybody, you know, we are not good. Everybody else is better. We must apologize. We must give. We must feel guilty. That is a horrible way to live, in my opinion. And so, you know, what's great about business people is we're the creators and we're the producers. We make things happen. And it's our wealth, even if it's modest, that pays the taxes that allows those people to do what they're doing. The question is whether it's sustainable or not long term, but short term, you know, let's just, we just got to keep at it. You can't be cynical because that does nothing for us. All that does is, you know, sort of serve as a defense me mechanism that protects us from being accountable at the end of the day. Well said, well said. Well, I really appreciate your time here today. We're, we're done. We are That's done. You, you are. We can talk more, but I try to keep these to a half an hour. All right. Because, well, and but you said you're going to come back because you like talking to me. So I we, do. We have a time ton of topics we can talk about, but this one I wanted to get out right away because I see everybody getting, getting down in the weeds of things they cannot control. And my right. gosh, stay the course. We need you. We need business people and we need good ones. I, the comedian Aziz Ansari, Ansari has a uh, Netflix special. It's okay. But somewhere in there, he says, you know, what happened after the pandemic is everything's just a little shittier, everything just a little bit shittier, you know, because all these employees went to their employers and said, you know, pay me more, take care of me. The employer said no. So they left. 
and they went somewhere else and the employers had to hire someone not as good, everything's a little bit worse right now. And so there's a huge opportunity for a smart business person to say, you know what, we're going to up the game. We're not going to tolerate this. We're going to bring it back to pre-pandemic and we are going to crush the market because of it. So stay the course. There's tons of opportunity in this market because while other people are giving up, you don't have to be the one giving up. You need to move forward and just raise the bar. Just keep raising the bar. That's what made our country great and continues to make our country great for those who are willing to do it. You know, you you are absolutely hitting the nail on the head with that. We've seen so many of our shop owners taking advantage of businesses closing up around them and warehouses and, you know, buying them cheap and converting them into shops and really expanding their footprint and even opening multiple stores. And they didn't even think they wanted them, but the deals were coming up and these people are going out of business and they're seizing the opportunity. Listen, that's Intel's strategy. Intel, the chip maker, you know, they're being overtaken a little bit now, but for decades, they were the leader because every time there was a market downturn, they would buy out their competitors. And they kept growing and growing and growing. And they're one of the greatest companies uh, ever historically. So there's no reason small business people can't follow that example. Anyway, you said you're, we're done. I'm here anytime. And I've, uh, I've enjoyed it. All right. And I will uh, send you another link so we can reschedule. So I really appreciate you being here and kind of cutting through some of the crap right now that's going <laughs> on. And uh, I couldn't think of anybody better to just be like not dancing around and there's no dancing. No one wants to dance with me. I assure you. Kumbaya and everybody do all that. So we don't need that. We don't need that now. We need everybody to take action and stop whining. Because it it could get a lot worse. It could. This is nothing. Imagine what happens if we treat China the same way we treated Russia and we keep caving (laughs) into them. Imagine how bad it's going to be when those two get together and decide they've had enough of us. We're not done. We need if, if we give up here. We deserve to lose. This is not the time. Absolutely. Absolutely. So everybody keep on going the good fight and be a good example. Andrew, you mentioned that we need role models and that starts within house. You have to be the role model that you want your people to to follow and look at. You you can't not uh, do what you want them to do. Right. And do what you want them to say. So I really appreciate you being here and uh, I enjoy this. And. (laughs) If anybody wants a copy of the leader's dashboard that Andrew is talking about, you could email me and the link is down the bottom. So, so when do you want to come back? Oh, I, just email me, <laughs> email me. So I don't have to reply. No, no. <laughs> anytime. I don't, I don't know. Just give this, let's see how this one does. I don't care how it does. It's my show. All oh, right. Right. I, I think you That's missed good. all of that in the beginning. I, I, I just don't <laughs> believe it, but it's, it's pretty cool. Anytime. I mean, I, you know, whenever. Yeah, they're like, hey, because let's give them a breather, though, like a month. Let's come back in a month. All right. We can do that. We can do that. And I'd love to have you back on live at nine to see the ATI clients if you ever get bored and have a nine o'clock available because. Uh, All right. They enjoy you. We have super conference next week. So or two weeks. So we're gearing up. Everything's in. Where's it going to be? Carlsbad. Oh, Carlsbad, California. Yes. What's there? Why there? The Omni, they love the Omni there. I don't know, some kind of deal with the Omni. The funny thing is, is a lot of the coaches and the members were like, we're not going to California. And why did they have it there? And no one's going to show up. And our, our, the attendance is the highest it's ever been by more than a hundred attendees. Wow. So, awesome. so much for the, no one will go there. 
we were right. supposed to go there two years ago. And then with the pandemic, all the resort shut down. And then the next year, I, I guess, I think we did it at Amelia Island again. And so mm. we have to go back and follow that. So thank you so much. All right. Good to talk to you, Kim. Thanks so much for having me. That was cool. Thank you for listening to this episode of Maximum Octane, your ride to the entrepreneur's evolution. If you enjoyed what you heard today, please share it with a friend. And if you haven't already, subscribe, rate, and review the show on your favorite podcast player. If you have any questions, comments, topic ideas, or you just want to be a guest on my show, I want to hear from you. You can reach me directly at mlpodcast at autotraining.net. Thanks for listening and keep seeking information everywhere that you can.